um, Hebrews chapter 7. And today we're actually going to finish chapter 7, verses 26 to 28. Hebrews 7, 26 to 28. <clears throat> Here is what the author of Hebrews said. For such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, and defiled, separated from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens, who does not need daily as those high priests of the Old Testament to offer up sacrifices first for his own sins and then for the people's, for he did once, for he, for this he did once and for all when he offered up himself. Uh, for the law appoints a high as high priest men who have weakness, but the word of the oath which came after the law appoints the son who has been perfected forever. Let's read verse 28 together because this pretty much summarized the whole chapter. For the law appoints as high priests men who have weaknesses, but the word of the oath which came after the law appoint that son who has been perfected forever. Uh, Wayne, if you don't mind to give uh, Ramon and Maggie some notes as well so they can follow up with us. <clears throat> so this is week number 30 uh, since we started in the book of Hebrews. Again, the, I, the, the point of the book of Hebrews is that the author of Hebrews wrote that book to people who were Jewish at some point, and then they became Christian, and now they want to go back to Judaism. So the author of Hebrews is warning them from ever, ever returning back to Judaism. He presents his argument in almost the first 10 chapters by saying how Jesus is superior to all the elements of the Old Testament. And obviously by saying so, he's telling them, don't leave what is superior to go back to what is inferior. Chapter 7, where we're at right now, actually chapter 5, 6, and 7, these three chapters, uh, the author of Hebrews is arguing that Jesus is superior than Aaron, uh, Aaron the high priest. Uh, I apologize, that's actually chapter 5, 6, 7, 8, and 10. So pretty much sixth chapter of the book is saying that Jesus is superior than Aaron as high priest. The first three chapters, which is 5, 6, and 7, he's saying that Jesus, in his person, is a superior high priest than Aaron. And then chapter 8, 9, and 10, he's arguing that the ministry of Jesus, the, the priesthood of Jesus, is superior than the priesthood of Aaron. So these six chapters, pretty much one unit, but two major, uh, two major points in it. Now, chapter 7, that's when the author of Hebrews, as we have been saying, uh, is focusing, zooming in on one verse in the Old Testament. Anybody remembers? Chapter 7 is focusing on one verse in the Old Testament. And he's elaborating on that. That is Psalm 110 verse 4. The Lord has sworn and shall not relent. You are a high priest forever on the order of Melchizedek. And pretty much the whole chapter 7 here, the author of Hebrews is using that verse as his background to argue over and over again the superiority of Christ over uh, the, high, the Old Testament high priest. Next week, by the grace of God, I want to take that verse and I want to look from that verse into these three chapters on how the author of Hebrews used that verse throughout these three chapters, chapter 5, 6, and 7. Now, in chapter 7... The author of Hebrews argued that Jesus is a superior high priest from verse 1 to verse 10. He's saying that Jesus is a superior high priest because he came on a greater order than that of Aaron, which is Jesus came on the order of Melchizedek. 
verse 11 to verse 19, the author of Hebrews saying that Jesus is a better superior high priest because he came in an effective order versus uh, Aaron and all his sons who came in an order that didn't work. It was ineffective. It was not able to bring man closer to God. The third point that the author of Hebrews is arguing is that Jesus is superior than Aaron because he was appointed by oath. And that's what we see in verse 20 to 22. And then the fourth reason why Jesus is superior is that he is eternal. Unlike the high priest of the Old Testament that the, the author of Hebrews say were preventing by, prevented by death from continuing. Jesus, on the other hand, is far more superior because he's eternal. And this Three last verses, verse 26, 27, 28. This is the last argument that the author of Hebrews has in that chapter. Jesus is superior because of who he is. And then verse 28, kind of like the summary and the conclusion pretty much of the whole chapter. So, this is where we are today. I hope you remember what we've been talking about the last few weeks because we're going to go back a lot uh, to understand these three verses. Verse 26 starts like this. For such a high priest was fitting for us. Amen? Amen? Now, without looking into the notes, if you know the answer to that question, I'll be really, really impressed. Was fitting for us. That word was used one time only throughout, one other time throughout the book of Hebrews. Do you remember where it was? We talked about it a while ago. It was Speaking for him, for God, to look at that. Jesus Christ. Look at God. that. That's amazing. I am so impressed, Emmanuel. That's awesome. Exactly. That word was fitting for, was mentioned one other time in the book of Hebrews, and that's in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10. And what does it say? It says this, for it was fitting for him, that's God the Father, from whom everything and by whom everything, in bringing and leading many sons to glory, that he might perfect the leader of their salvation through suffering. You guys are with me? That Greek word that the author of Hebrews used in Hebrews 10, 2.10, it was fitting for God in bringing us to his kingdom that Jesus must suffer was also used right here in chapter 7, verse 26. For such a high priest was fitting for us. Do you guys see where I'm going with this? What the author of Hebrews is telling us by using the exact same word in chapter 2, applying it to God, and in chapter 7, applying it to you and me, here is what the author of Hebrews is saying. That Jesus as a savior, as a high priest, is the only one who can fit both the requirement of God and the need of man. You guys are with me? Let's repeat that again. This is so important. By using the exact same word, was fitting. And then applies it to God in chapter 2 and applies it to you and me in chapter 7. The author of Hebrews is saying this. Jesus is the only one who can fit both the requirement of the holiness and the righteousness of God. And fit also the need of a weak and wicked human race that is you and me. Amen? No other person ever in the scripture can be described this way except our great high priest. Amen? He's fitting for the requirement of God, and he's also fitting for the need of man. What an amazing high priest. Amen? He was fitting for us. But before that, the other Hebrew said this, for such a high priest was fitting for us. Right? What, when he says such a high priest, 
that obviously implies he's saying the high priest that I have been talking about throughout chapter 7. Jesus, our great high priest, that high priest, such a high priest was fitting for us, right? And then he continues and say, who is holy, heartless, and defiled, and continue to describe who is that high priest who is fitting for us. You guys are with me? So this is what we're going to do today. We're going to look backward and we're going to look forward and we're going to see how Jesus as our high priest is fitting for our needs of salvation, for both our weakness and our wickedness. Amen? Amen. We're going to look back because he says, such a high priest I have been talking about. And then we're going to look forward because he described later on also who is that high priest who is fitting for us. Let's look backward first. Who is the high priest that such a high priest who would fit your need and my need. Six reasons, three backward and three forward. Three backward, we start in verses 11 to 19. Jesus was fitting for our needs of salvation because he's the only one who's able to bring us close to God. That is the point of these 10 verses, verse 11 to verse 19, that the priesthood of, of Aaron, the Old Testament high priest was ineffective and Weak. We talked about that, right? It was not able to bring sinful man closer to a holy God. And that's the point that the author of Hebrews presented here in verse 18 and verse 19 when he said this. For on one hand there is the annulling of the former covenant, the Old Testament covenant, because of its what? Weakness and ineffectiveness and profit profitableness, right? It was weak, we talked about this, because our flesh, our nature was holding the old covenant from being fulfilled, right? We talked about this, the old covenant based on God does his part and we do our part. But over and over and over again in the Old Testament, we see that man was never able to hold his side of that bargain. We were never able to uphold the law of God. Thus, the Old Covenant was weak. Not that the commandment of God is bad in itself, but because of our flesh and our, our nature that hold us back from fulfilling our part. Therefore, the Old Testament was, the Old Covenant was ineffective. And then he said, it's weak and it's unprofitable. It's ineffective. It didn't work because it ultimately failed to bring men closer to God. And then in verse 19, he said this, for the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, now look at the high priest who was fitting for you and me. Amen. There is the bringing of a better covenant through which we draw near to God. Jesus is a better, more fit, one who's fitting for your need and my need because he's the only one who can actually bring sinful man closer to a holy and a righteous God. Such a high priest who's able to reconcile holy God and sinful man together is the one who will fit our needs. Amen? But number two... Jesus was fitting our need because we have seen also that he is the legal guarantor to the new covenant that we have, that we now have with God. That's verse 20. He says this, and as much as he was not made without an oath, and then he says, because of how great that oath is, by so much more, Jesus has become an assurity of a better covenant. We talked about this, and we said that the word assurity is a legal term that means a guarantor. He himself legally bound, Jesus legally bound, that if we fail in holding our part of the covenant, he himself will step in and take care of it. Amen? Mm -hmm. 
It's like, again, it's like a bondman. When somebody is in jail and then somebody comes in as their bondman, this person say, I am legally obligated to take care of this person and whatever this person failed to do, I will do myself. Amen? I don't know about you, but such a high priest is truly fitting for our needs. Amen? This is the only one who can bring salvation to you and me because he guarantees legally that this new covenant that now we have with God will definitely come to pass. No question about it. He himself is the guarantor of that new covenant. Amen? I don't know about you, but that gives me personally a lot of peace knowing that no matter what happened, Jesus will take care of it. Amen? I am not obligated, even if I fail, it's Jesus' ultimate legal responsibility to make sure that I will enter into heaven. Amen? Amen. He will figure it out with the Father, but I'm going to heaven no matter what happened. Amen? He is our guarantor, and such a high priest is fitting for our needs. Because if there is any responsibility on you and me to fulfill our part of that covenant to enter into heaven, I have bad news for you. We will never be able to do it, right? We need that legal guarantor to pick up our slack because we'll never be able to do it on our own. Amen? That's why Jesus is fitting for us. Such a high priest is fitting for us. But number three, such a high priest is fitting for us because he is able to save to the utmost. And that's the point of verse 23 to 25 that we have seen last week. Therefore, he is also able to save to the utmost those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. Amen? As a matter of fact, right after this verse, that's verse 25, right after this verse, we read verse 26 that we started with today. When it says, for, that means he's explaining more what he was saying in verse 25, right? The high priest who lives forever, who's able to save to the utmost someone who can always make intercessions on your behalf, on my behalf, at the right hand of majesty. This is the only one who can fit your needs and my needs so we can be saved to the utmost. Amen? Now, Jesus is the only one who can save you and me because he's the only one who fits every need that we ever had to be saved. Amen? But after that, he said, for such a high priest who is fitting for us, who is, right? That's what the author of Hebrews said, verse 26. So after that, he's now elaborating more on that high priest, that such high priest whom you and me need, who is fitting for our needs so that we can enter into heaven. Furthermore, yes, he's elaborating now more, giving us more reasons why it was fitting for us such a great high priest. And he gave us three more reasons. Number one, because of who he is. And that's pretty much the point of verse 26 and most of verse 27. And then because of his great perfect sacrifice and because of, him, because of his indescribable love. We're going to look into that. Start with for reason number four, why Jesus is such a perfect high priest for us, fitting our need because of who he is. And that's what the author of Hebrews said. It was fitting for us, such a high priest who is holy, harmless, and defiled, who has separated from the sinners and entered into heaven and, uh, and has entered above, in, above all the heavens or has been exalted above all the heavens. The first word he used is for he is uh, holy, right? The word holy can have one of two meanings in the scripture. It can mean pure, like when we say God is sinless, we say God is holy, right? But it can also mean 
set apart. Like when we say, you know, we this mic is holy unto the Lord, even in the Old Testament, that means this mic is set aside only for the purposes of God, right? So holy can mean either sinless or can mean dedicated, something that is set aside. Like when the high priest in the Old Testament, this, is, this high priest is holy to the Lord, that doesn't mean that this high priest is sinless. It may, more means that we have set aside Aaron and his children to be devoted to the service of God. And the word that the author of Hebrews used here is the word set aside, the one who is devoted to serve God. Obviously, Jesus is sinless, which he talked about later on. But this particular word, he's more saying that this high priest, this is the one who would fit our need and your need. The one who dedicate himself fully and unconditionally to bring salvation to you and to me. Amen? He even talked about that in, in, in chapter 5 when he said how Jesus... During the day of his incarnation, when he lived among you and me, he was so committed to obey God. Remember we talked about that? That he even learned suffering as the son through his obedience to God the Father. He was willing to be so obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Our high priest was fully devoted to your salvation and to my salvation. Even the cross did not stand in his way to bring salvation to you and me. Amen? But number two, he's also harmless. He's pure. He is innocent. He has no shadow of sin in him. He was not touched by evil. He's absolutely, perfectly sinless. That is what the author of Hebrews is telling us here. Amen? And he's also undefiled. The word undefiled here is more ceremonially in the Old Testament. There's stuff that will defile you before the law in the Old Testament. And that's the word that the author of Hebrews is using here. That Jesus was undefiled even ceremonially from the Old Testament perspective. Amen? And think about it this way. If Jesus has ever committed a sin, one sin, do you think he would fit us as, as a high priest who would bring salvation for us? No way. You know why? Because he will need somebody to save him from that sin that he has committed, right? If our high priest has any sin in him, has any evil in him, he will not fit to be our savior because he will need somebody to save him himself. Amen? But our high priest was fitting for us because he's holy, he's pure. Even though he came very close to be tempted by sin, which we have seen that before, he was touched with our weakness, yet he never ever committed a sin. And that is the kind of high priest who would fit your need and my need. Amen? Somebody who understands the temptation never, yet never fall in that sin. And then he continues to describe our great high priest that fits your need and my need. And it says that that high priest was uh, separated from sinners, right? Separated from sinners and has become higher than the heavens. The idea here is this. Jesus has been separated from sinners in that he has become higher than the heavens through his ascensions to the right hand of majesty. Amen? So the idea that Jesus is separated is that physically now he's not among us, we sinners. He's now lifted and exalted up at the right hand of majesty next to God the Father. Amen? Now that is the high priest who will fit your need and my need. Somebody who has uninterrupted, unrestricted um, presence next to God the Father himself who can always intercede for you and me. Amen? If Jesus was anything less than that, he would not fit the bill. He would not be a, such a high priest that would fit your need and my need. Amen? 
this is the high priest who is able to bring salvation to you and me. But right after that, the author of Hebrews said, let's actually go back and read verse 26. Uh, verse 27. Um, okay, verse 27 now, he's elaborating more on how does it mean, what does it mean that Jesus is a sinless high priest. And he's comparing him to the Old Testament high priest. And he say, remember the Old Testament high priest, when he entered into the Holy of Holies once a year in the Day of Atonement? They need to bring two sacrifices. The first sacrifice is for himself. So he goes inside with the blood of an animal to atone for his own sins. And then he goes out and then he has a new blood from a different sacrifice to enter back again into the Holy of Holies to, uh, to, to atone for the sins of the whole congregation, right? This is the rituals of the Day of Atonement that we spoke about before. Now, the only reason the, 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 the high priest in the Old Testament will enter the first time with blood for his own sins because he himself is a sinner, right? Jesus is different, the author of Hebrews is telling us. He didn't need to atone for his own sin because he is undefiled, he's harmless, and he's holy. Unlike the high priest of the Old Testament who needed another blood to atone for their sins, Jesus never needed to do that. Amen? And that's the point of verse 27, just more elaboration on the holiness of our high priest. Who does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people, for he did once and for all when he offered up himself. Now, this verse is a little bit problematic. Can you guys see the problem? The high priest in the Old Testament didn't do daily offer sacrifice for himself and then for the sins of the people. He actually did it once a year in the Day of Atonement. But here the author of Hebrews say that the high priest in the Old Testament did that on a daily basis. He offered sacrifices for himself first and then for the sins of the people. And this is a problematic verse. What does the author of Hebrews is trying to say here? Because it is not right with the facts that we know from the Old Testament. Well, first of all, we know for sure that the author of Hebrews knows that it's only in the Day of Atonement that the high priest will enter twice, first for his sins and then for the sins of the people. He made multiple reference to that throughout his epistles. I think if you go back to um, 9.7, 9.25, and 10.1, there's multiple references we're going to see where he knows for sure that he knows he's not like ignorant of the fact that it's only on the Day of Atonement that the high priest will enter twice. So why is he talking this way? Why is he saying that the high priest had to do it daily? Well, the bottom line is this. There is no clear answer to that question. Okay, There is not a 100% uh, perfect explanation to the wording that the author of Hebrews is saying. But there is two possible explanations. None of them is 100% beyond the shadow of any doubt uh, on um, like, you cannot argue back against it. Number one is that the author of Hebrews is mixing two things together. The, the, the high priest in the Old Testament needed to do daily sacrifices. You have the morning sacrifice and the evening sacrifice. He needed to, uh, to offer a serial sacrifice that is not, uh, has blood in it. And we read about that in the Old Testament. And he needed to do that on a daily basis as well. Not to mention that, if you remember, when we talked about the sin offering, the high priest, if he sin, or the priest, if they sin, they have to offer a sin offering that is a bull. Remember, we talked about all of that. So there are some daily sacrifices apart from the Day of Atonement that the high priest need to offer. And it might be that the author of Hebrews is just mixing these two ideas together to emphasize 
to get to his point, which is the high priest used to offer a lot of sacrifices because he was sinner himself, right? That might be one way of looking at it. The other way to look at it is that the author of Hebrews was just making some reference to some other practices that we don't know about that is not documented in the Old Testament. Remember, there was about 400, 500, whatever, 700 years or something like that. I think it's 400. Between the last book in the Old Testament and the, the, the first book in the New Testament. So maybe during that time, the, 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 the nation of Israel will start offering different, like, different kind of sacrifices on a daily basis that the author of Hebrews was referring to here that is not really documented in the Old Testament. We see some extra biblical uh, reference to do that in some other writings that is not in the scripture. Anyways, again, the wording are hard, and there's no clear explanation, but that's the two possible meanings that the author of Hebrews is referring to here. Nevertheless, the point remains the same. Amen? The high priest of the Old Testament need to offer sacrifice either daily or especially in the Day of Atonement for his own sins because he himself was a sinner, but that is not the case with Jesus. Amen? He said, for this he did. Jesus did offer the sacrifice, but unlike the high priest of the Old Testament, he didn't need to do it daily, certainly not every year in the Day of Atonement. For this he did how often? Once. Once and for all. And that's the number five reason why Jesus is fitting for your need and my need because of his perfect sacrifice that he has offered on the cross for your sins and my sins. Amen? Just one sacrifice, one time, was sufficient to atone on you, of your sins and my sins before the eyes of a holy and a righteous God once and for all. Amen? Jesus didn't need to offer any more sacrifices. He didn't need to suffer many times for our sins because of his perfect and complete sacrifice. A holy and a righteous God looked at that sacrifice and said, this is it. That means all my justice and wrath and righteousness requirement. I don't need anything anymore. I took all that I need from that one sacrifice sacrifice that Jesus offered on the cross. Amen? Once and for all, in contrast to the word daily about the high priest of the Old Testament, every day they offer a sacrifice. Jesus, because of his perfect sacrifice, his sacrifice was once and for all. And that's why such a high priest is fitting for you and me because of the perfect and complete sacrifice that he offered on the cross once and for all, that he doesn't need to do anything anymore. Amen? And the term daily, as you put it here, not to be taken literally, Correct. but in the temporal aspect. It can be. As you said. Correct. It's confusing. We don't know. It can be daily. It can be. He's mixing two things together. It seems like it. But number six, why such a high priest was fitting for you and me? Because of his unbelievable, unmeasurable, indescribable love. See, the Old Testament high priest, whenever they entered into the Holy of Holies, they enter with the blood of a sacrifice. Amen? And the author of Hebrews telling us here in verse 27 about Jesus this, For this he did once and for all when he offered up two goats and five sheep. Right? That's what it says there. What did Jesus offer? Right. Himself. He offered himself. Unlike 
unlike the high priest of the Old Testament who will offer somebody else's blood, Jesus loved you so, you loved you and me so much so that he did not offer somebody else's blood. He offered his own blood, his own sacrifice. And Jesus, when he entered into the Holy of Holies, we talked about this before, he was both the high priest and the sacrifice. You guys are with me? In the Old Testament, the high priest would enter into the Holy of Holies and his hand has a blood from a different sacrifice, right? But Jesus entered into the Holy of Holies and his hand has his own blood. Amen? He was both the high priest and the sacrifice in the same time, unlike the high priest of the Old Testament. Amen? Now, this is the amazing love with which Jesus loves you and me, that he was so willing to give up his own life, his own blood on the cross to atone for your sins and my sins. And such a high priest who loves you so much so that he even despised the cross and endured the shame. This is the kind of high priest who will fit your needs and my needs. Amen? Such a high priest was fitting to meet our need. We're both weak and wicked. And we needed a high priest like Jesus. Nothing less and nothing more. Amen? Jesus is all what we need for our salvation. Amen? Such a high priest was fitting for us. If you don't remember anything about today, when you go out, just remember that phrase and meditate on it. Such a high priest was fitting for us. Amen? Now let's close with verse 28. Now verse 28 pretty much summarizes the whole point of the chapter. For the law appoints as high priest men who have weakness, but the word of the oath which came after the law appoint the son who has been perfected forever. Now, question. When the author of Hebrews says the law appoint high priest, what, what is he referring to when he says the law? He's talking about the commandments that God has given Moses, right? He said the, the high priest should be that age, has this certain physical characters, has to be a, a descendant of Aaron. And the law that Moses break, brought appointed high priests, right? With certain requirements. But then it says this, the word of the oath which came after the law. What is the word here that the author of Hebrews is referring to that came after the law? The divine oath. Where is that? Psalm 110. Psalm 110 verse 4. That's what he's talking about here. When God spoke, when the Holy Spirit spoke through David, David came way after Moses. You guys are with me? David came way after Moses. And in David, the Holy Spirit says, the Lord has sworn and shall not relent. You are a high priest forever on the order of Melchizedek. That's the word of the oath that came later in, through David in Psalm 110 that came way after the law because David came way after Moses. You guys are with me? Now, the author of Hebrews is telling us three differences here. He's recapping, summarizing the whole chapter. And he's saying there's three main differences between the Old Testament high priest and our great high priest. Amen? Number one, the basis by which they became high priests. The Old Testament high priests were appointed by the law. But the New Testament high priest was appointed by Anna. Oath that we read about in Psalm 110, verse 4. I just love how uh, William Lane put this one. He said this, let me find that. Um, the argument that the law was ineffective is, is in establishing a priesthood that could attain God's intended goal for his people. 
as a result got sworn an oath to establish a radically different priesthood to supersede the Levitical priesthood. Amen? Because the Old Testament priesthood was not able to do it. God has sworn a solemn oath that he will establish a far much better, a radical priesthood by which actually sinful man can be brought to him. And that oath was promised to Jesus and was fulfilled in his priesthood as our high priest. Amen? Amen. So again, we talked about this and we'll talk about this next week. The oath is just to confirm to you and me how great our high priest is and that his priesthood will never be shaken because God has sworn that this Jesus will be a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Nothing going to change the oath of God. Amen? But number two... We see that the Old Testament, there were multiple men, but in the New Testament, the new high priest is just one son. You guys are with me? Multiple men versus one son. We talked about this before. Whenever the author of Hebrews used plural, it always implied inefficiency, ineffectiveness, but whenever he talks about singular, that means it works, right? But the oath did not just appoint a man, it appointed the son. And we talked about this before, how the author of Hebrews sees the word son. He sees the son as somebody who's equivalent to God in his very nature. We've seen that in, in, in Hebrews 1 and in Hebrews 2 multiple times. This is how we understand the word son. Somebody who stands on the bar with God. So the Old Testament law appointed just men like you and me to be high priests by the word of the oath appointed the one who stands on the bar with God to be your high priest and my high priest. Amen? Amen. I don't know about you, but this is really great high priest. Amen? Amen? We have a great high priest. And number three, the Old Testament high priest, is, it says this, they were affected by weakness. And in that context, it's almost synonymous to the word sin, right? That's why they needed to offer sacrifice. They were weak. They have sin in them. But how about the word of the oath in the New Testament? How about this high priest who will fit your needs and my needs? The author of Hebrews said that the son who has been perfected forever. Do you see the contrast? Sinfulness and weakness versus perfection. And that is our new high priest. We talked about this word before, how Jesus has been perfected. We've seen it before in, in, in Hebrews 2. We just said that verse. It was fitting for him by whom everything and through whom everything and bringing many sons to glory that he might perfect the captain of their salvation through suffering. We've seen that word again in Hebrews chapter 5 when it says that though he was the son, he was perfected through that what he suffered when he learned obedience, right? And this is the third time here that we see how Jesus is perfected as our high priest. The idea here is not that the Son of God is imperfect in any shape or way or form, but in order for him to be that Savior that you and me need to meet our needs for us to enter into heaven, Jesus needed to suffer the death of the cross, both that he can pay off the debt of sin that we owe God and that he can go through our trials and temptations so he can be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God. Amen? You guys are with me? And the word of the oath has appointed a high priest who has been perfected for how long? 
forever, right? What the author of Hebrews is telling us this. Jesus came down to earth and he lived like you and me, was tempted and tried, and then ultimately gave his life for 33 years. But the effect of that 33 years of the life and ministry of Christ, it has perfected him. It has him the perfect fit for your need and my need, the perfect high priest who will fit for our salvation. And the impact of that will last for how long? Forever. Not just during his incarnation, but forever. Jesus will always be the perfect, the most fit person who can meet your need and my needs of salvation. Amen? Amen. I don't know about you, but I think that's a, such a good high priest. Amen? He is such a great high priest who fits your need and my need to bring us closer to God. Let's close our eyes and pray.